BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are at our new Chicago Reader YouTube home, and more people are finding us on the live stream chat. Ben, I... I know you asked me last night before you did your first Tuesday show. We'll talk about that more later. You were like, dude, has Dragon Slayer 19 found the live stream chat? Yes, he has. He is right here. Yes. What's up, Dragon Slayer? Send us an email sometime. BennyJShow at gmail.com. We got Frank. We got Brianna. Let's get today's show going here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, December 2nd. It's just moments away. But we got to thank the following sponsors for, well, sponsoring this program. The Chicago Reader. Go to ChicagoReader.com, subscribe to the Chicago Reader to find out the latest in all things the city of Chicago. And when you subscribe, you're really helping out the old Ben Jarofsky show. So make sure to do that. Subscribe to the Chicago Reader. And today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. Okay, Joan. Joan is on the live stream chat. What's happening, Joan? Joan, we talked to, uh, we had it, we had, Joan. Joan, Joan Yes, yes. Jones, man, I can I let the cat out of the bag? Let's cat coming in. That was a great interview. Bill Horsberg, uh, producer, Queens Gambit, and we're going to drop that on Saturday. And um, you know, I know Bill came on. He wanted to promote his movie, Queens Gambit. We spent about five minutes talking about Queens Gambit and about forty-five minutes talking about everything else in the world. He's a good sport. Uh, but, I mean, really, D, when you think about it, Queen's Gambit's the number one movie in Netflix. So, he's not really going to, like, we're a low, a little yeah. lowly podcast in Chicago. It's not like we can, like, I don't know how many other people are out there who haven't seen it already. Yeah, that was a big-time get. A good sport. That was a big-time get. Very topical as well. Yeah. it's a. And here's what we're going to do. Bill doesn't know this. Oh, I don't even think we're Dennis knows this. Bring- <laughs> Sergio Mims uh, and Bill Horsburgh are cut from the same cloth. They're two uh, Chicago kids, born and raised in the city of Chicago. Both love movies. Uh, Sergio runs the Black Harvest Film Festival. I th- we're going to bring them together for a special show. Uh, we're going to be talking movies, 70s movies, and all kinds of good things uh, somewhere down the line. I, I, I don't. Sergio doesn't know that either, D. <laughs> I just oh, wow. There, there we go. All right. It's just only Ben knows what's <laughs> just, going on. That would be a lot awesome. of fun, man. Uh, but Joan, yeah, thanks for uh, weighing in on the live stream chat. Glad you found us. Also, Bruce, Bruce, glad you found us as well. All right, let's do today's song of the day. Michael Girardi, what's up, dude? All right, uh, your song of the day comes from Frank, and it is by the Beatles. For the love of God, please, oh. whoever owns this music, don't sue us. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Oh, I love that song, man. George Harrison, Abbey Road. Ding. I'll start with the, the opening on guitar, right? D, 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 D. Come on, D, sing along with D. Then the guitar goes like this. Little darling, it's been a long, long, lonely winter. Dr. G from Martin. G, 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 G. Here comes the sun. Look at you knowing the Beatles, man. Look at Dr. D. He's got his hair. He's wearing a Beatles wig, and he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't bring up my Beatles wig. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now.
Wednesday, December 2nd. Yeah, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this con man Don Wednesday, and here's why. Uh-oh. Brown line. <laughs> uh, our third co-host. Uh, let's let that brown line go by. There you go. Ron was, Ron was driving it. Getting ready for that Department of Transportation drive job by driving the brown line. All right. Man, so much breaking news. I don't know where to start. That's me doing the um, breaking news smashing bottle thing that Dennis usually does. I think I'll just do it today. So much breaking news. I don't know where to start, so let's start here. I saw this. <laughs> Gotta give me a little heads up before the show, you know. Hey, D, I'm gonna start off with that bottle, man. Uh, yeah, that would require pre-show planning. Not uh. one of our strong suits. Saw this in the New York Times. Ivanka Trump, aka Daddy's favorite, is thinking of running for office. Not sure what office, but some kind of office. She's got the brand name. The only problem is she might get indicted. Donald Trump is so afraid. <laughs> Donald, that's breaking news, too. Donald Trump is so afraid that Ivanka might get indicted that he's asking advisors if he can preemptively pardon her, along with hubby Jared Kushner and family lawyer Rudy G and a bunch of other Trumpsters. Uh, what, you ask? How can you pre- preemptively pardon someone if they not have been officially much accused, much less convicted of a crime? Great question. In fact... This question was posed to me just last night by a couple of millennials whose names will not be mentioned that I had a conversation with. The millennials go, Ben, you can't pardon someone if they haven't been convicted of a crime. And to which I said, oh, yes, you can. Ford did it for Nixon. At which point the millennials in unison said, who? Folks, I had one of those. Oh, my God, I'm so freaking old moments. Millennials don't even know who Gerald Ford is, much less that he pardoned Richard Nixon. I am old. What, did he like <laughs> invent the car or something, really... Ford? <laughs> you know, and then I thought about it. I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know. How many people know that uh, William Harrison was a president? You know what I'm saying? Or James Buchanan was a president. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I shouldn't be just so offended that millennials don't know who Gerald Ford is or that he pardoned Nixon. Anyway, it's never too late to learn that stuff, right, everybody? Uh, Anyway, they don't know who Gerald Ford is. Meanwhile, other breaking news from old people. Smashing bottle again. Eric Zorn. (laughs) Eric Zorn, my dear friend who writes for the Tribune, got rid of his landline. Yeah, D, breaking news. It's in today's paper. When I read it, I know you a lot of millennials are out there. Well, come on, geezer. You call that news? Well, it's big news for old people. When I read it, I immediately had to tell the news to my wife. Only she was upstairs, so the conversation went like this. Honey, Eric Zorn got rid of his landline. To which my wife said, what? I can't hear you. It's not that she's hard of hearing, folks. One more time, she was upstairs. I was downstairs. (laughs) 
And I'm like, when are we going to get rid of our landline? What? Anyway, back to Ivanka. It's going to be really, really hard for her to run for an office, having just been granted a just sort of like general get out of jail free card and intended her to cover up any and all possible crimes she may have probably committed. Though I realize when it comes to the Republicans, the bar is very, very low. After all, Republicans just elected a congressman out of North Carolina who is, and I am not making this up, something of a fanatic for Adolf Hitler. Yes, yes, folks. He has it on his bucket list that he wants to visit Adolf Hitler's retreat known as the Eagle's Nest in Germany. Yes, Yes, his name is Madison Cawthorn. He's 25 years old, so unfortunately, he'll be around for a long, long time. He's been known to call Hitler the Fuhrer. I'm not making any of this up. If you don't believe me, Google North Carolina Congressman and Hitler, and you'll find everything you know you need to know about Madison. So the bar is very low. Meanwhile, Back to Trump's kids. More breaking news. <laughs> Laura Trump wants to run for office as well. She's thinking of running for senator for North Carolina. After all, she says, if this kid Madison, who loves Hitler, can run and get elected in North Carolina, why can't I? <laughs> yes, technically, technically, Laura Trump is not one of the Trump kids. She's the daughter-in-law uh, married to Eric Trump, who, by the way, Trump is also considering giving a blanket pardon to. It's like, is everybody in this family shady or what? About Laura Trump, Donald Trump once said, and I quote, quote, I couldn't pick her out of a lineup, end of quote. You know, D, I've said this once, I'll say it again. You got to give Donald Trump credit. Every now and then he gets off a good one. But back to the breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna and I agreed months ago to get rid of the landline. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Eric Zorn's story about the landline. No, this breaking news. Trump raised $170 million since Election Day through solicitation blitzes. Folks, I will never get over this. $170 million. That's more money than Dennis currently earns. I mean, that's a lot of money. (laughs) I mean, no, seriously. I just, like, can't even fathom. $170 $170 million he's raised since November 3rd. According to the article in the Tribune, and I quote, it's a sum garnered through a nonstop stream of solicitations that have falsely claimed the election was stolen while requesting contributions and a, to, for an election defense fund. I know about this. Oh, thank you. I'm, a bagel is being brought to me. Thank you. Oh, Appreciate wow. That. Cool. Life is good. It's not just Trump who's got a good life, okay? Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. Bagel. I know about these. No, the bagel's sitting there. D, the bagel's like sitting there. I won't eat it because I'm a pro. But boy, does it look good. Can I just tell you that right now? I got a little cream cheese on it. Looking good. All right, I'm thinking about taking a live stream chat poll right now. Should Ben eat the bagel? <laughs> Hold on, I'll take a bite. No, that would be unprofessional. Plus, I'd probably joke. Yeah, we know. Bad enough. It's bad enough when I open the bottle. Oh, my God. We had a pre-show planning meeting about that. That is, Ben, you know, it's really not professional when you open the bottle. (laughs) We're a radio show, sort of. Yeah, be listening for Ben. Be listening for Ben eating a bagel as I read the news in about ten minutes. I 
don't know. Here comes the brown line again. It's kind of hard to pretend like we're in like a professional studio. This is WGN. And what's the latest news? <laughs> we love all of you people who download and listen to this program. You guys are really intrepid. Where was I? I got lost again. Oh, my God. No, seriously. There's some suckers and saps in this country. $170 million. The election wasn't stolen, ladies and gentlemen. There's not an iota of evidence, even like a shred, a morsel, a tidbit to, to give any credibility to this just to this accusation that the election was stolen. And yet people have given Trump $170 million for his defense fund. They got everybody in the family sending out emails solicit, solicitating funds, including all the members of the Trump family who are on the general pardon list. Here's one from Donnie Jr., a.k.a. Baby Trump, who, by the way, is also on the we better pardon this kid list. Quote, my father was 100 percent right when he said mail ballots would cause problems. That's from Donnie Trump, even though, of course, Donald Trump himself voted by mail. <laughs> they got this outfit called Save America, a one time maximum maximum contribution is five grand. I'm telling you, there are some rich Republicans in the world. If they can afford to give five grand to this scam, the fine print, by the way, according to the Tribune, says most of this money is not going to the election fund, but is instead paying down Trump's campaign debt. The story ends with Trump's spokesman, Tim Murtaugh, declining to comment. Don't worry, Timmy Murtaugh, if necessary, I'm sure Donnie will pardon you, too. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He's not going to be need oh, no, no need pardon for him. Hold on one second, uh-huh. D. What? Hold on. Uh-oh. Hey, I didn't, honey. Eric Zorn got rid of his landline. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still trying to tell my wife. Big news around here. Now, D. if you guys just both, if you guys both had phones on a landline and say she's like, you know, a downstairs and you're upstairs, you guys just both pick up the landline at the same time and you can tell it. That's true. Let's see if my landline. I'm trying. I'm trying to save the landline. All right. All right. Here we go. Let me see. Uh, uh, let's see if it still works. Here we go. An experiment. I've been... All right. So this is awesome. Oh wow! Here we go. Oh cool. No one can. Where... Nope. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Somewhere in the house, the landline is ringing. I think I'm gonna have to. Do it like Eric and get rid of the landline. But that would require like such coordinating between my wife and myself. You know, like who's going to actually make the call to get rid of the landline? Oh, we have a we have a response on the live stream chat on Bagelgate. Brianna says, eat it, eat it. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Here we go. Oh, here we oh go. my God. It's, it's warm. Oh, that's a typical mm. thing of bagel. Oh, okay. Crunching on that, baby. Mm. Oh, my God. It's delicious. Brianna, I shouldn't have done it because now I can't resist. Yes. Okay. We're going to choose to step away from the microphone. I'm going to step away from the mic. I'm going to have a sip of water. Hold on. Mm. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, there's that cat. I have, to, <laughs> I have to say this. I'm very excited about today's show. Not only Monroe Anderson, my dear friend, but our second interview, our four o'clock interview, the great Ricky Hendon. You know I love Ricky, man. Ricky and I get together. It's all over. Ricky Hendon and I will be talking about uh, City So Real. He's in the movie a lot. Kind of like one of the stars of the movie. And um, we had Neil Salas Griffin on last week uh, talking about how Ricky Hendon tried to bounce him off the ballot. 
So, and plus, Ricky sent us, I don't know if you saw it, D, his latest comic offering, uh, his Christmas song. So, lots to talk about with uh, Ricky Hendon. Oh, that'll really be awesome. To. That'll be yeah. awesome. Ricky Hendon, yeah, as a music artist. And if you haven't heard any of Ricky's music, you should check it out. Uh, Steven on the live stream chat. Uh, I guess he uh, is a big fan of that bagel bit we did there. He says, OMG, what is this show? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I'm not sure if I know anymore, Steven. Steven, I'm going to be really professional. <laughs> And despite the recommendation of Brianna, I am not going to touch this bagel until we go to break. Radio okay, days are long gone. Your ass would have been fired doing that. Oh, oh my God. Remember? Remember when Pitt, um, was it Pinhead? Yeah. The general manager. Um, no eating in the studio. There was like signs everywhere. No eating in this. That was a big deal. No eating in the studio. What's all this damn avocado doing around the studio, bro? <laughs> Man, uh, Pinhead, what a guy! All right. Anyway, D, yeah, yeah, kick it to me, Wait, kick it to on. me. Come on, I haven't done that yet. I know. Uh, so <laughs> we got a great show today. <laughs> plenty of political talk ahead, but before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Doctor Bagel, with the news. That's not true. <laughs> okay, here we go. How's it going? Name's Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Actually, before we do that, Ben, let's talk about your night last night. It was a virtual first Tuesday brought to you by The Hideout. Uh, if you didn't check it out, we're going to throw it up for download a little later this week. Uh, maybe have it as a bonus on Sunday, I think we said. I don't know. Yeah, but Sunday. Nevertheless, Ben, uh, tell us about last night. How'd it go? Well, it was really great. And uh, anybody who out there who uh, listened, paid the $5 to listen, I want to thank you. It was basically uh, raising money for The Hideout, which is... Um, you know, like most bars in the area have been shuttered uh, by the pandemic. And so Maya and I went to the hideout. We were wearing masks. Don't worry, folks. We were in separate rooms when we did the show. Uh, Maya Millennial set it all up on the computer. God bless her. And PC Peter Cunningham uh, was representing the centrist point of view. And Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez was representing uh, the lefty point of view. And they were both very polite very respectful. They didn't talk over each other. They allowed, you know, Peter allowed Rosanna to finish her sentences or Rosanna allowed Peter to finish his sentences. Uh, so I thought it was very enlightened conversation. Uh, they kind of agreed on some basic points, but uh, you know, even with the politeness D the, my beloved democratic party's got some things to work on. It's pretty obvious. Uh, like for instance, um, what was one one instance? Oh, they had this uh, little brief discussion about capitalism, where Peter said, "I'm a capitalist," uh, and then and he then he said, "Of course, you believe in capitalism too, or is that something along those lines?" And she goes, uh, "No, I don't." So you know, it's that kind of you know some uh, little disagreements there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a capitalist. Are you a capitalist? -y? I don't know. Who do, who do I look like? JB Pritzker or something? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you were a capitalist, more of a libertarian. Anyway, um, so it was uh, it was a great discussion, and uh, we got into local politics as well as national politics. And yes, we will drop it on uh, Sunday. And I want to thank PC Peter Cunningham and Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez for being such good sports uh, and uh, putting up with me and Maya and our questions. 
and uh, yeah, good good time. We're not going to do a first Tuesday for January because it's so close to New Year's, yeah. but we'll probably do another one in February. All right. That's good news. Glad to hear that there's going to be more first Tuesdays to come. Go check it out, everybody. Once again, like Ben said, we'll have it available for download on Sunday at the Chicago Reader website and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. All right. Local news. Let's do this. Yesterday, we began with the Illinois governor. Face coverage. So today, let's begin <laughs> with the Chicago mayor. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s <sighs> fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood, we have gotten back up, legs stronger, steely focus, and resolve to fight on. What are you talking about? All right. <laughs> Barney Ross. We haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> the scotch has been drank. The steak has been eaten. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's budget has been passed, and we had quite the season finale of everyone's favorite Chicago political soap opera, A Mayor and Her Alderman. (laughs) A Mayor and Her Alderman. (laughs) But with that now out of the way, we're on to the next problem at hand. A mayor and her fraternal order of police. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Fran the Woe Man Spielman, and Frank Maine. Fraternal order of police president John Catanzara says Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her top aides are calling the shots at the Chicago Police Department, tying the hands of Superintendent David Brown and turning him into kind of a figurehead. Uh, let's see here. We have a quote from Kat and Zara. Kat and Zara says, quote, whatever he wants to do is getting cleared through her office first or it's not getting done. What authority does he really have? His hands are tied. She should stay the hell out of running the police department and let Superintendent Brown run it. If he falls on his face, let him fall on his own face. Ben, your thoughts there on Kat and Zara's comment. Well, many thoughts. By the way, I just want to give a shout also to Sam Charles, who was the third writer on that story. They had three people writing that story. Oh, wow. Uh, Johnny Catanzara of uh, Fraternal Order Police, head of the Fraternal Order Police in the city of Chicago. One of our favorites on the Ben Jarofsky show. We love doing Johnny Catanzara stories. Uh, he is open about it. He's not afraid to hide it. He's MAGA man to the core. He was a gentleman uh, before he became the head of the Fraternal Order of Police who had that photograph taken of himself. From, uh, remember, he had the, like, a sign saying, I love the president. I believe in the Second Amendment. I, you know, I'm not paraphrasing. So, John, just par- bear with me here. I'm just paraphrasing from memory. Remember, he's not as sharp as he used to be. Not a young man like you. Uh, the Sun-Times loves John Canizera. Gives him great quotes, uh, great copy. So it's been a while. You know, they had something called a, a national election. But there was that stretch. Remember when the Sun-Times, like they would have like every day a picture of Johnny C? He's back. Just want to say he's looking very handsome. All right? He looks very handsome. He's got like this little... You know, you know how millennials do it, D, where they don't shave. We've talked about this. They don't completely shave, but they uh, don't grow a beard, you know, like a grizzle look. There must be some kind of way of shaving where it leaves part of the, you know what I'm getting? You know what I'm saying, D? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of millennials do that. What's old boy's name uh, from the, you know, the show? Oh, God, he's so annoying. We discussed it before. You know, the, the show with Simon, where they the, the people sing? What's oh, the name of American show? Idol. Yeah, what's the real annoying guy's name? The, the announcer. Oh, you think he's really annoying. Ryan Seacrest. Oh, he's so annoying. He's the one. He, he's got that John Catanzara grizzle look. Yeah, I'm kind of a grizzle. 
I know, I know that's not really important, the grizzled look at John Cannizzaro. But it's hard to take him serious. He's just trash talking. That's just great trash talking, what he's saying. He's like, you know, quote, unquote, emasculating David Brown. You're not the man. You let the woman tell you what to do. I mean, that's just tra- that's MAGA trash talking. One-on-one. We've talked about MAGA trash talking a lot on this show. A lot of liberals, they're not used to wrestling, not used to football, they're not boxing. You know what I'm saying? They're not. Um, by the way, did you see Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones? Yeah. Did you watch that one? That was, I'm sorry. I refrained from going down that path. Uh, Mike Tyson looked pretty good. At You're going down that path. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's just trash talking. So, you know, he's firing up his members. They, I mean, they are dragging their feet, the city is, on this uh, cop budget. That's no joke. I forget how many years they're behind on it. So the issue, the real issue is how much money they're going to cough up. Uh, and... Um, you know, it's all, and they got to do retroactive pay raises to cover for the years that um, they, uh, the budget had been expired. So, yeah, a little trash talking, you know, throw David Brown under the bus, sort of humiliate him a little bit. And like the, in the world of cops, that's a humiliation. Yeah. The lady does all the bossing. You just sit there in the back room and drink coffee. You know, it's like, you know, macho stuff, D, right? It's kind of like you and me. When we get together before the show, we pound chests. Oh, right? yeah, dude, you're so do? macho when this <laughs> microphone's off. So, yeah, that's what it's going to. Sometimes it's like, oh, thank God, John Canizera. We get some good quotes out of him. Oh, yeah, that's what that was, D, a little macho talk. Yeah, do you have any more quotes you're going to read well, from that the one? Ma- the mayor's office did fire back, saying that, once again, John Catanzara continues to speak without knowledge of the facts. Here's Pat Mullane, a spokesman for the mayor. Quote, these remarks are not only racist and blatantly disrespectful to his own boss and fellow officers, but also completely irresponsible. We refuse to be a part of a race to the bottom. The latest salvos between the fiery FOP president and the mayor this week demonstrate the increasing hostility between them over the city budget and negotiations for a new police contract. In an interview, Catanzara also had a warning for the 29 Chicago aldermen who voted last week to pass Lightfoot's $12.8 billion budget, which eliminates 614 police uh, vacancies and includes only $100 million of the more than $300 million needed to cover retroactive pay raises for officers whose contract expired in 2017. Uh, we got more quotes from Kat and Zara here. Uh, he says, quote, those 29 aldermen who voted for that budget, there isn't a damn one of them that's going to be safe from the 2023 election. Ben, I don't know about you, but I wish our Chicago politicians would watch their mouths these days. My goodness, we got hell this, damn that, shit this, shit that. I don't want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit. You think we won't offense fuck you then. Okay, right. You can't say no offense and then say the most offensive thing ever, number one. Right, low. it's true. And, like, it's only in Chicago. You're not hearing Pritzker or anyone else around the state. uh, And and, and I always like to point out, Laurie, I don't think you were fair. I don't think he was 100% full of shit, okay? I think that was exaggeration, all right, Laurie? Let's bring it down a little bit. Maybe only like 35%. 
But Brown anyway. is Brown is the retired police chief who took over the police department April 22nd with the quote moonshot goal of holding the annual murder total under 300 for the first time in 60 years. Instead, it is Chicago's most violent year in decades with 716 killings through November 30th. Killings are up 55 percent from the same period last year, while arrests have plummeted. All right. Got so much to so much to take the deep dive here. Once again, I'd just like to point out Chicago is a very violent city. It's always been a very violent city. Police chiefs come and go, mayors come and go, and the violence remains. I've never seen like a really serious attempt on the part of the powers that be in Chicago, the civic community, the police community, the politicians, the editorial board writers, to try to figure out why Chicago is such a violent city. I think violence is just embedded in Chicago. And you can just hear it, just like this exchange. This stuff was like out of gangster movies. Kent and Zara trash talking the mayor, trash talking the police chief. He's he doesn't really run things. It's that little lady that runs things. You know what I'm saying, D? It's just like everyone in Chicago's Mr. Tough Guy. I'm gonna punch you, then I'm gonna punch you again, and I'll punch you a third time. And then we wonder why there's so much violence in our city. It's like it's part of our culture. Now, this as to the political threat which is the most laughable part about this story, which is generally a kind of funny story in its own way. If you just like think of it as a dark comedy, there's of all the no votes, or excuse me, of all the yes votes, there are 29 yes votes. The only one, the only yes vote, and I studied this folks, I took a look. The only yes vote that I think is possibly endangered by opposition from the Fraternal Order Police is our good friend, Nick Spazzato, 38th Ward Alderman, Nick Spazzato. Nick Spazzato uh, is the only Trump supporter who's ever been on the Ben Jarofsky show. How about that, D, huh? I've known Nick for a long time, and I'm just not ready to throw him under the bus, even though he voted for Trump. So what are you going to do? He's one of the biggest supporters of the Fraternal Order Police, John. You're not going to find a more dedicated fan of FOP. He shows up at your rallies. He voted yes. He voted yes on the budget. Why? Because Nick generally is respectful of mayors. And I'll give him credit. He's consistent. He was for Rom. Rom tried to cut him off at the knees. And then they made peace. And then Nick became a supporter of Rom and vice versa. All right? He supports mayors. Now, I'm not a big fan of knee-jerk rubber stampers, but if you're going to be a rubber stamper for Rom, you should at least be consistent and be a rubber stamper for Lori. Not like, you know, some of these other guys who all of a sudden find their independence. A certain Thomas Tunney, I'm thinking of right now, of the 44th Ward, suddenly all of a sudden is voting no on budgets. Isn't that interesting? So... The only one who could possibly be threatened would be Spazzato, maybe Samantha Nugent of the 38th Ward, but nah, a lot of liberals up there. I don't think she's in that much trouble. So really, it's an empty threat. What are you going to go, uh, any, uh, a yes vote? You're going to go down to the 8th Ward and run a candidate against Michelle Harris? That's predominantly black ward in the South Side. The Fraternal Order Police, I guarantee you, is not very popular in the 8th Ward candidate running against Michelle Harris and goes, I'm backed by the Fraternal Order Police. It's not going to get a lot of votes. So, I mean, it's like, that's kind of like empty threat. 
You know what I'm saying, D? It's like if I said to Dennis, you don't clean up your act. I'm going to take you in that back alley and stuff you in a garbage can. Oh. <laughs> First of all, Dennis is much bigger than me. It's not going to happen. Secondly, I'm not a violent guy. I would never stuff anyone in a... Dennis would laugh at me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's a meaningless threat. It's, it's oh, yeah, we're going li- to line them up. Yeah, what, what, I'm trying to think of another. Uh, Pat Dow, you going to go down to the third ward? Run against Pat Dow? Oh, good luck with that. How about Sophia King? She voted. Didn't she vote for it? The fourth ward? A lot of good that's going to do. Derek Curtis from the seventh ward. You going to run against him? See what I'm saying? It's like, this is, called, this is an empty threat. So why even make it? I, I'll tell you who the happiest people in the world are, though. Fran Spielman, Frank Maine, and Sam Charles. Yes! <laughs> and Ben and Dennis. Yeah. yeah copy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, something to got... talk about after the budget. Awesome. <laughs> Johnny C coming to the rescue with that grizzled look. Uh, by the, the way, uh, dibs hey. on uh, knee jerk rubber stampers as a band name. Holy cow, that's awesome. I know, a knee jerk rubber. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, yeah, I think that's what they call uh, an empty thread. By the way, do you have any more things you're reading from this story? No, nah, that's it. All right, well, let me just riff on one last thing. This, is the, this could have been my, well, I already said my favorite part was when he made the threat. So, this is like tied for a second or something. He's opining, Johnny C is, that the money will be coming in to the city to pay for the police budget. Quote, we probably come to agreement on 35 uh, to 40 percent of what they're looking for. And they didn't have a damn thing on their end. When the economy rebounds and they get their bailout from the federal government, that she can't cry anymore. Their bailout from the he's like dismissing. Remember, he's a MAGA guy. So it's so funny. MAGA is like so inconsistent. I mean, MAGA. Donald Trump could have given you. I've said this to John Canizera on the show many times. What has your support for Donald Trump ever got the city of Chicago? How has anyone benefited from you supporting Donald Trump? I would like to say, you know, in politics, if you support someone, they reward you. It's a transactional thing. I help you. You help me. Isn't that how politics works? No, not in Chicago. The Fraternal Order Police, they all like wearing their MAGA hats and their T-shirts and going to meet with Donald Trump. And they're just like groupies of Donald Trump. They don't get anything in return. The money that will come to Chicago to pay for the police will come as a result of a Democratic sponsored federal bailout. Johnny C even admitted that. And he's dismissive of that. He's like contemptuous of it when they get when they get their bailout from the federal government. Dude, how are you going to pay for <laughs> MAGA? You guys don't seem to understand your public employees. Your salaries are paid for with public dollars. You didn't lift a finger to help pass the fair tax. Good luck with your pensions, by the way. When the same people who killed the fair tax turn around and go after your pensions, I know you're thinking, no, Ben, they're going to exempt us, the Fraternal Order Police, like they exempted the police in Wisconsin. Okay, well, what if you're married to a school teacher? They're not going to exempt them. And what about your friend across the street who works for the city? They're not going to exempt him. So it's just yourself you're thinking about? Say, like, MAGA, you think this money grows on trees? 
It comes from the federal government. It comes from taxes, which your boy, Donald Trump, cut. So how are we going to pay for those taxes? Oh, okay, we could raise state taxes on the wealthiest. Oh, wait a minute. The people in your ward, the 41st ward, voted against it. I don't know. Like, they're contemptuous of the Democrats who are going to save their necks with a bailout that they sneer at while supporting Republicans. I'm like, MAGA, man, MAGA's spoiled, D. That, that's all I could say. MAGA's spoiled. They got goodies coming. They don't have to. It's coming from Democrats who they oppose, fight against. Donald Trump was worthless. I hate to say fraternal order police. I'm just saying, just me, just being honest with you. Donald Trump was worthless. He didn't help you in any way. No money for your contracts. No money for your pension. No money for like, I don't know, new police cars, new supplies, nothing. You got nothing. Your union leadership aligned itself with Donald Trump. And now we are hoping that Democrats can squeak a bailout plan through Mitch McConnell to pay your new contract. So I don't I don't know, man. MAGA. MAGA's a weird force, D. That's all I got to say. I got to drink some water. Oh, there we go. Uh, by the way, we do have a question uh, from Jay Shy on the live stream chat. They're wondering about that bagel. <laughs> she asks, onion or egg? Um, it's a uh, everything bagel. Ooh. It's so delicious. I love the everything and bagel. I, I'm like, I wish you hadn't mentioned it, D. I'd forgotten that it's sitting there. Now I'm looking at it. And it's like, you know, D.D. You know, in Hawaii, like the, the hula dancers, D.D. D.D. That's what it's doing. It's like, just like, come take another bite. D.D. D.D. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, all right. <laughs> So um, Frank weighed in on the live stream chat. Uh, you said earlier that uh, Nick Spazzato was the only Trump supporter we've had on the program. Frank is here to correct you. Willie Wilson is also a Trump supporter. That's yes. correct. That is correct, Frank. I sit corrected. Although, unlike Nick, Willie, you're right. You're right. Basically, he voted for Trump in 2016. But Willie would, Willie would like was, you notice how he kind of ducked and dodged as to whether he was going to vote for Trump in 2020. But you are correct. Willie Wilson has been on this show, and he, yes, indeed, voted for Donald John Trump in 2016. Oh, and we've learned. Uh, downloaders are like, all right, cool. But anyway, uh, we've learned that uh, Jay Shy, the person who asked you that bagel question, is actually Radio Doogie. Doogie has made it to the live stream chat. That is really good to hear. <laughs> but I wish you hadn't mentioned this bagel, okay. Doogie, because I'm just putting it to the side. I can't even see it. Bagelgate continues. Moving on. Uh, recreational cannabis, a.k.a. reefer, has been legal in Illinois for almost a year now. But could the rest of the nation soon follow suit and legalize recreational cannabis? Right now, there is a chance. But according to the Chicago Sun-Times and Thomas, all I want for Christmas is two joint shuba. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Thanks for nothing, Mitch McConnell. Members of the U.S. House of Representatives are expected to cast a historic vote this week to end the nationwide prohibition on pot, though local dealers and cannabis advocates predict the potentially watershed piece of legislation will likely 
go up in smoke should it advance to the Republican-controlled Senate. The bill, dubbed the Moore Act, would remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act and effectively, quote, decriminalize the drug across the country. Still, the drug wouldn't automatically become legal nationwide, but that would instead be left up to individual states. It would end the contradiction that currently exists between federal law and the growing number of states that have ended their prohibitions, including Arizona, Montana, and South Dakota. Uh, We have a quote here from one Justin Streakle. Or Strakal, I don't know, the policy director for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. He said, quote, nobody in America is talking about federal legislation that would force states to legalize marijuana. Uh, said in addition to imposing a 5% federal tax on non-medical cannabis products, the Moore Act also includes social and criminal justice provisions that are strikingly similar to those embedded in Illinois' cannabis legalization law. Uh, I think you get the point there, Ben. Your thoughts? What a joke. Oh. What an absolute joke. The Republican Party, when it comes to reefer, I can't figure it out. And, you know, I, I made the appeal to Donald Trump. No, he's a huge fan of this show. He loves Dr. D. Uh, he loves when you do the smashing bottle. So he's like, Melania, they're doing the smashing bottle again. <laughs> that, was a, that wasn't even like in the ballpark imitation of Donald Trump. <laughs> love the smashing bottle. <laughs> I love Dr. D. <laughs> Deborah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, everybody loves Raymond anyway. Uh, so Donald Trump, I, I believe, probably would have been uh, reelected even in the pandemic had he come out for legalization. I believe that, dude. I believe enough potheads in like Arizona, Nevada, and Wisconsin was all right, man. Yeah, and voted for him. I believe that. But for some strange reason, the Republican Party continues, perpetuates this war on drugs attitude toward marijuana, even though I am sure, I will bet you anything, D, most of the Trump children have inhaled. What do you think, D? Has Ivanka smoked reefer, oh, yeah. in your humble opinion? Oh, okay. yeah. But what about Donnie Jr.? You think he smoked reefer? Oh, big time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about Eric? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eric. Baron? Oh, yeah. Come on. Who? Baron. Little guy. (laughs) He's 14. Uh. Okay. You know, Uh, so, you know, even though, um, uh, even though many of the uh, Trumpsters have uh, indulged, you know, it's like they're, they're sticking to this, this old notion. And we talked about this a lot with Bruce Rauner. Bruce Rauner thought the key to getting reelected, to solidifying his support in Southern Illinois, was to go on some Southern Illinois radio station and uh, announce his vehement opposition to the legalization of marijuana. In fact, Rahm Emanuel, who's cut from the same cloth as Bruce Rauner, uh, did the same thing in 2014. Talk about misreading the tea leaves. Rahm, uh, supposedly a Democrat, announced that he was vehemently opposed uh, to the legalization of marijuana. would never, ever, ever attempt uh, to uh, balance the budget with proceeds from the sale of marijuana. Now they're proposing to borrow against the proceeds from the sale of marijuana. So, so much has changed on the Democratic side. But yes, this 
this bill um, can't even come to a vote uh, in the the Senate. Mitch McConnell won't call it for a vote. There's probably enough votes to pass it. There's probably enough Republicans who figure the time has come for them to uh, move away from the war on drugs attitude toward reefer. I'd just like to point out that John Boehner, who was Mitch McConnell's counterpart in the House, the House Majority Leader for many years, came out of comes out of the Cincinnati area, has retired from Congress, and is uh, part of a company that sells reefer. So what is it, you guys? Are you can you find bigger hypocrites when it comes to marijuana than the people in the Republican Party? No, you cannot. So uh, yeah, this insane war on drugs continues because one man, Mitch McConnell, won't bring it to a vote. Not quite sure uh, why Mitch McConnell has the attitude as he does about marijuana. Maybe he's cut from the old school cloth like Bruce Rauner is and Rahm Emanuel. But I will say this, D. I don't know if you saw this in the story. It pointed out that um, if polling out of Georgia shows that it would be beneficial to the Republican candidates who are running for the Senate seats there to endorse the legalization of marijuana, McConnell will bring it to the floor. Isn't that interesting? That's it's like that. That's how weak his opposition is. If it means he can hold on to his power, open window, throw out opposition to marijuana. So I don't know why he just doesn't do it anyway. I don't think one election will be decided against a Republican on the grounds that that Republican is for the legalization of marijuana. And, and yet they cling to this ancient notion. So, yeah, I, uh, I hope it does become legal at the national level uh, because it's a contradiction, obviously, to have it legal on local levels and not federal. But don't see it happen unless the polls from Georgia are favorable to it. All right. We now go to Kyle on the live stream chat. Once again, Kyle, we are so glad you found us here on the Chicago Reader YouTube channel. Uh, Kyle says, I don't get it. National Democrats in the House. Why do this marijuana bill now? Why not wait until February when Dems may get Senate? They're doing it now. And here comes his theory. Because they know it's going to fail. Yeah. Uh, That's that's pretty good theory. In fact, they should have done it before the election and then put out the names. Well, see, they didn't call it to a vote uh, in the Senate. Kyle, I'm with you. I think it's uh, politically advantageous to be in favor of legalization of marijuana as to be against it. It didn't hurt Bruce. Ron- it didn't help Bruce Ronner in the state of Illinois. That's for sure. Ugh. So uh, but, yeah, it's one of those things where you have the vote. Republicans look bad. And then you send out the, the mailings and say, he voted no to legalize reefer. Although I haven't seen any mailings like that. You know what I'm saying, D? Like uh, uh, mailings that try to take advantage of the public support of marijuana. It's such a, like, a, like people are sort of embarrassed to say they smoke marijuana. I mean, nobody's embarrassed. Yeah, I had a bunch of brewskis this weekend. I got smashed, you know? Uh, don't, you know, everybody says that. Uh, but it's like people are a little embarrassed to like, hey, so did you smoke some reefer over the weekend? Well, are you saying I'm a pothead? Yeah. So there's still a little hesitancy for people to come right out and say uh, they smoke reefer, except for me. And I haven't smoked <laughs> I want to say I smoked it, Dean, but I haven't smoked it since 1980. Or it could have been 81. I was high at the time. Who can remember? Anyway. Uh, I kind of buy Kyle's theory, actually. All right. Weigh in on the live stream chat. If you were listening live, there's a good chance we 
could read your comment on the program. Hey, how about our Illinois governor? What's he up to today? Well, of course, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker will be at the Thompson Center for today's 2.30 COVID-19 press briefing. And since that hasn't happened yet, we will be providing you with updates on that briefing on Thursday's program. But what about Tuesday's press briefing? <laughs> briefing. And what about... <laughs> But about Tuesday's no, but about Tuesday's press briefing, and no, this briefing did not feature any Dr. Fauci name drops like Monday. Sorry to disappoint, but we have learned that the first shipment of COVID vaccines to Illinois is expected later this month. The governor has more details. And those vaccines, because of the limited numbers of them, will go almost all to healthcare workers. And if there are enough, then next to those in long-term care facilities, the staff and the residents. But Governor, what is your anticipation? At Our the moment? anticipation at the moment is the numbers are small enough so that it won't go beyond those two populations and may not even get to all healthcare workers, at least not in that very first shipment that we receive. Oh, interesting. The governor did also urge those who traveled this Thanksgiving holiday to get uh, tested. IDPH recommends that you get tested between five and seven days after your return. That's only if you're asymptomatic and you want to go get a test. If you have symptoms, you should get tested right away. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I'm with them 100 percent about the uh, the vaccine going to uh, frontline workers uh, in hospitals where it's desperately needed. Uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm volunteering. Uh, Dennis, as well as myself, we we'll, we'll be last in line. Okay. Uh, well, Dennis is like, huh? I never agreed to that. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? Don't put me in that list. By the way, I don't know if you saw this deep at Starbucks for a month. It's giving free coffee uh, to people who work in hospitals. You see that? Nice. So that uh, break, yeah, it was really nice. I don't know. <clears throat> so little shout out to Starbucks. It's kind of still have that divide when it comes uh, to COVID in this country. Very really bizarre uh, divide. Where are we? Are we talked about this a long time ago. Remember that? What is it? Back in April. There was a special on uh, all the stations had a Saturday and uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon was one of the hosts. Jimmy Kimmel was another host, Stephen Colbert. And it was all about the frontline workers. It was a tribute to them. And Elton John sang a song and John Legend sang a song. Stevie Wonder sang a song. And it was like nothing remotely MAGA in that. You get what I'm saying? There was no, I think there was one country singer and Dennis pointed out to me who really wasn't a MAGA the country singer. Who's the one who's married to the movie star? Oh, Keith Urban. Thank you. Married to uh, Nicole Kidman. You know, Dennis has been working with me a long time. He like knows that baby boomer brain and how it works. Who's the one D? Who's the, the, the country singer married to the movie star? Oh. <laughs> uh, he, he speaks baby boomer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's still a very split and divided country. And that's how you come. You can get Republicans saying, I really don't care if I get COVID. You know, I don't believe it's that serious. I don't care. And if uh, if I die, so be it. Uh, You know, that's my time has come. That's a lot of attitude. I hear that from Mag a lot. I'm like, what about the poor people in the hospital have to treat you? You know, you you don't care about them. They got to treat if you if your dumbass gets COVID, someone's going to have to treat you. So my thing is, if you subscribe to that notion that uh, you don't care about COVID and you're above it all, you don't think it's serious, then you should sign a waiver where you say, I will not go to a hospital or a doctor's office if I get it. I'll just crawl in a fetal position 
and hope that it passes. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that one, Dee. All right. Well, let's go ahead and end it out here with the latest updates on Madigan Gate. <laughs> the time utility giants Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of one Democratic Illinois House Speaker, Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> For those who need a quick update, Madigan said he didn't do it. Illinois conservatives say he did. A Madigan confidant uh, and two ComEd CEOs with that guy from the city club were indicted. And we currently have a bus full of Democratic politicians ready to roll over the speaker and move on regardless. On to today's update, the Madigan confidant, the ComEd CEOs, and that guy from the city club have pleaded not guilty in federal court. Lobbyist Michael McLean, one-time ComEd CEO and Promagior, ex-ComEd Vice President John Hooker, and former City Club President. Did you meet this guy, by the way? Did you? Doherty? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. He, he uh, how you doing, pal? That's, he, uh, <laughs> that was the time that Dennis made me, literally made me, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't want to go. Dennis goes, Ben, it's going to be really helpful. Now go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna. You gotta go. So I went to the city club, which is where all the you know the muckety mucks meet. They have lunch. They're just sitting in a room full. This pre-pandemic, they're sitting in a room eating. Like at my table was Joanna Klonsky, the great Joanna Klonsky. Little powerful people, well connected. Joanna was the only. I'll talk to you, Ben. <laughs> I rode my bike there. They're like, "Are you a hippie?" <laughs> Who rides their bike? They're like calling people. Hey, look at this guy. He rode his bike here. <laughs> I was so out of my league. Everybody's wearing ties and stuff. I got uh, like gym shoes on. And for new listeners, no, that's not motorcycle he's talking about. No, bicycle, ladies and gentlemen, with a helmet. I came here with my helmet. Uh, is there any place I can put my helmet? I'm here for the big important meeting. Uh, yeah, Jay Doherty uh, invited me. Uh, sir, who let you in? You look like an old hippie. Were you at uh, Woodstock? I think I had a sweatshirt. Oh, God, I was really looking bad. Yeah, but anyway, those people <laughs> all appeared by video before U.S. District Judge Harry Leinenweber pleaded not guilty in the ComEd uh, bribery case. Uh, during this online virtual meeting, some of the defendants appeared by themselves on screen. Hooker wore a mask at times. McLean was seated in front of a large bookshelf. Doherty appeared <laughs> along with his attorney. Wait, tell me, what are you reading? This is from this is the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, because um, uh, let me just point out, folks, it was not in the newspaper, okay? That's why I'm not aware of it. Go ahead, Dee. Doherty appeared along with his attorney. Lyndon Weber appeared on screen in front of what appeared to be photos of Presidents Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. As he began the hearing, Lyndon Weber noted that he once served in the Illinois General Assembly at the same time as McLean, though he said he did not expect that to be an issue. The remote hearing due to the coronavirus pandemic meant the four defendants did not have to stroll past what likely would have been a horde of reporters and cameras. Uh, however, their defense attorneys had already issued combative statements declaring their innocence. Remember, and boy, Mr. Madigan really wants you to lodge this fact into your brain. The 50-page indictment filed last month does not accuse Madigan of a crime. Yeah, well, it's best of both worlds for the Republicans. Because uh, 
it might as well accuse him of a crime as far as the public's concerned. I mean, the public's, it's not that discerning. You know, you know what I'm saying? The public is like half paying attention. So in their mind, a lot of people will probably say he's been accused or indicted, even though he's not. How many times? It's true, folks. How many, so many times, like you read a story, you follow a case, and then it like months pass, and then you're asked a question. You cannot accurately answer whether a guy's been indicted or accused, convicted. You know, so many times I've been talking to lawyers are better at this, obviously, because uh, that's their it, that's their craft. Where Jim Coogan, for instance, will correct me politely. No, Ben, he wasn't. Uh, uh, he wasn't convicted. He was just indicted, or he wasn't indicted. It was just accused, or uh, things like that. But in the general public's mind, they don't know. So it's perfect for Republicans because he hasn't. That the official indictment, if it's going to happen, has not happened yet. But in many people's mind, he's already been indicted. So it just drags it out a little longer. This is this is God's gift to the Republican Party, ladies and gentlemen, and it's why I say. Uh, For all the support that Michael Madigan gave to unions in the fight against Bruce Rauner, in my humble opinion, where I sit now, it's got to go. Gay's got to go. Although you know me, I'm completely, I'm completely, it's a complete possibility that tomorrow, bang, I'll flip flop. (laughs) Uh, But no, come on. Come on, Dems. You got to realize this. Did you see what, did you see the last election results? You know, Illinois could go red. I hate to break it to you. Could go red. I mean, just think about it. If J.B. Pritzker hadn't run with all his billions, I don't know. Who who came in second uh, in in the uh, gubernatorial race, D? Was it Biss? Oh, your boy, Danny Biss. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Danny Biss could have beat Rauner without Pritzker's money? I mean, Terry Cosgrove said no. He told me to put my big boy pants on and vote for J.B. Pritzker. So already it's a lot closer than you think. All those voters in the 42nd Ward of Chicago, the Gold Coast of Chicago, you saw how their their attitude was toward uh, Mayor Lightfoot's budget. You know, you saw their attitude toward fair tech. They'll go Republican. I'm just saying, Dems. Just saying, Dems, you got to be realistic about things. I know you love Madigan. You're afraid of him. But come on. All right, everybody. That's our local news. Uh, Stick around. We're going to have Monroe Anderson on in just moments. But remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show at gmail.com. And we haven't talked about this in a while. You can leave us a voicemail. It's true. You know, we may still we may have a new YouTube channel and we may be a Chicago Reader exclusive. Oh, but we still got that phone number. 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. That is the number you need to call to leave us a voicemail. We're not going to answer it, all right? This has been happening a few times. I'll just be hanging out and I, uh, the Bendrovsky show gets a phone call and I'm like, "Oh, cool, a voicemail." And they don't leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail. And leave your name and where you're from you know there's a good chance we'll play that on the program as well all right i just reached out to monroe anderson so we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk with him it's the ben jarofsky show we are live from my apartment in ben's 
attic. And until we um, get Monroe, we're going to play an interview we had recently with our good friend Pat Whalen. He was uh, the star of a FanDuel commercial where he, uh, well, I guess a stunt guy got tackled by, uh, what's that guy's name, Harrison? No, Jamie Harrison, yes. <clears throat> yeah, he was in that. Yeah, I was eating the bagel. <laughs> I figured you were. You know, I'm eating the bagel. Uh, <laughs> I figured. wanted me to eat the bagel, but all of a sudden, bed. what's the question? Well, like, how are they going to know you, you, you ate the bagel? Now they know you ate the bagel. Guys, he ate I, the bagel. I took a bite. I still got a lot more bagel to go. All right, but right in the middle. Oh, so good. It's everything bagel. I'm just chewing him, looking out the window at oh. the porta potty. Listeners, I, I, I know <laughs> listeners were just waiting to hear that. As, but please, please stay tuned, okay? There's plenty more Ben Jarofsky show to come. Like I said, I'm going to play our interview with Pat Whalen we recently had, good friend of the program, and Monroe Anderson will be joining us in moments. Salad dressing sometimes, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge you for trying to get Paul Newman to simulate it in, in the supermarket talking to the jars. I like the. Uh oh, is that the dog whining? Yeah, Susie wants to be on the show, Ben. All right, well, she we wants to know why you didn't Susie call her. Uh, I didn't call Susie because I wanted to talk to Pat Whalen. And Pat Whalen, ladies and gentlemen, is an actor comedian uh, in Chicago uh, and uh, a dear friend of our show. And he, it was, he had a major breakthrough of sorts uh, this year. I thought, you know, it would be nice to tell this story, have Pat tell his story uh, on the eve of Thanksgiving or just after Thanksgiving. Lord knows when this thing is dropping about his big break uh, in the. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> it's his break. It's his big break. I'm having a breakthrough. <laughs> you, said, you said I had a breakthrough. So I haven't had a breakthrough in a while. But... You, are you okay? <laughs> oh, great <laughs> moments in podcasting. He just disappeared. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, this I know about this because Dr. D told me. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard from Pat in a while. And uh, Dr. D goes, you know that Pat Whalen is in a national television commercial? And I go, wait, the Pat Whalen, who's a comedian, podcaster, friend of ours, that Pat Whalen? And he goes, yeah. And the FanDuel commercial. And I go, I've seen that FanDuel commercial a million times. That's Pat Whalen? So I call Pat Whalen. I go, get on this show and explain that national commercial, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Pat, so take it from the top. The FanDuel commercial where he gets drilled by uh, former Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Jamie Harrison. Take it from the top, Pat Whalen. It was a beautiful Tuesday morning, and I I did something very out of character. I checked my email, and um, you know it's been slow going here for for the acting, as you may be aware. Uh, tyranny and socialism are being imposed on our nation, and uh, so theaters are closed. You know, any sort of uh, congregating of, of the theatrical nature is frowned upon these days uh, because of the hoax is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, there's no, you know, there's no theater because of uh, COVID obviously. So it's been really slow, but I got an email from my agents and they said, we have an audition for you. And I said, well, that's going to be tough because there's a global pandemic. And they said, no, it's over zoom. And uh, never done that before. Usually, Actually, well, you guys always see me because I was always over on that side of town, and that's what I would 
I'd like pop in on you guys when you were in the studio because there was a, there was an audition uh, house right around the corner from where you used to record. And that's where I thought I'd be going. And they said, no, you're going to do it over zoom. And I was like, okay, that's kind of stressful because going to auditions is stressful, but like welcoming audition people into your home is also another level of stress. So, you know, you got to like make sure the angle's nice. You got to the feng shui, right? Everything's got to be looking good in the camera. Um, and as you know, Ben, I am from Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. So I don't watch sports. So, um, so I wasn't very familiar with, uh, you know, it's like sports betting. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's what the kids are into these days. But of course the commercial, the script that you get sent has nothing to do with what you're selling. That would make too much sense. (laughs) So, all right, that's all you get. To hear the rest of that interview and so many more, find The Ben Jarofsky Show, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. And you can find them wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Subscribe and go check out The Ben Jarofsky Show archive. Hour number two. Let's go. Wednesday. That means Monroe Anderson time. Monroe Anderson every Wednesday on the Ben Jarofsky show. And uh, we've been talking politics since I came before a microphone. So I'm always thankful to talk politics. Monroe, Monroe, I dutifully went to your Facebook page as opposed to last week where I blew it and didn't do that. And I'm going to read uh, your cheat sheet that you put on Facebook. I love these things that Monroe puts on Facebook because he puts them on Facebook. And then all his uh, Facebook Trump friends, all his MAGA friends, just trolls. your trolls lose their minds. <laughs> like they, they just end, are endlessly trying to get Monroe Anderson to say that, yes, you're right. Trump's the greatest president we ever had. Hey, MAGA, it's not going to happen. Now, actually, they're trying to prove me wrong, and that's definitely not going bad. <laughs> Man, Monroe Anderson could be asleep, okay, and still be MAGA in an argument about Donald Trump. Here we go. Monroe, uh, great minds think alike because I've been having fun with this one all day. Can you believe it? Lame Duck Donald, that's pretty good. Lame Duck Donald is planning on pardoning his children and son-in-law, Jared. If they aren't guilty of guilty of something, why do they need a pardon for nothing? Good question. What about himself? Trump is also planning on pardoning himself. Wow. Can Con Don have done things worth pardoning? Ben Drosky will be discussing these and other disgusting Trump actions right now. That's pretty funny. Other disgusting Trump actions. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the pardons, Monroe. I uh, read the article uh, in the New York Times, as did you, and you've been following the story. Um, millennials may not realize this, but there's... Um, this has been done before. Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon in 1974, I want to say. I think it took place like in October or something like that. And um, he just said, you know, any possible crime that Richard Nixon may have committed uh, in relation to his role as president, uh, he is officially pardoned from. He said it's not going to help our country to... Um, have to go through a prosecution of a president. And he wanted, as I recall, Monroe, it's been a while, he wanted Nixon 
to admit, at least show remorse uh, for the crimes that he committed. Nixon wouldn't do it. But Trump pardoned him anyway. You know what I'm saying? Nixon wouldn't. He, he did release some kind of mealy mouth statement. You mean Ford? Ford would. You got Trump on the mind. Got my Trump. Yeah. yeah. Ford. Yes, I have Trump yeah. on the mind. Boy, do I ever. Ford wanted Nixon uh, to make some kind of uh, statement of remorse, and Nixon really wouldn't do it. So, but that's different. And, and, and you know, and, and what's interesting about that era for millennials who may not be quite familiar with it is that. Um, Spiro Agnew, Nixon's vice president, who had been the attack dog against the, the, the liberals, the limousine liberals, the, uh, he had all these names for him. He was, he was one of the first of the great name callers. But anyway, he, um, he had to resign because he had been cheating on his taxes, among other things. And so he had resigned for came to replace Spiro. Mm-hmm. And then Ford turns around and, and pardons Nixon for, and, and becomes, well, before he pardoned right when Nixon stepped out, Ford became an unelected president. Yeah. Yeah, he um, became an unelected president to, he, by uh, replacing the man he later pardoned. Uh, and you're absolutely correct. I forgot about Spiro Agnew. He actually took money, as I recall. You can look this one up, too. Oh, yeah, no, he took money. money in, the, in, in his office. Yes. As vice president. He's getting brown paper bags. And, and so this is why, Monroe, I'm always hesitant to say, I mean, because like you, we've lived a long time. We've seen a lot. And I'm always hesitant to say that Donald Trump is the absolute worst because I lived through the Nixon years. Yeah. And we had a vice president taking bribes in his office, taking yeah. freaking bribes left over from his days as governor of Maryland. OK, you know, the guys. Yeah. Are still... So I don't know. In retrospect. Is Trump any worse than Nixon? Yes. Why do you say that? <laughs> Trump has been taking, he, he's been ripping the government off. He's been enriching himself in his position. For example, mm-hmm. um, almost every weekend he makes a trip to one of his golf courses uh, to play golf. He needs um, um, Secret Service protection. Was required, so they have to go there, and he's charging them pre- us premium mm-hmm. rates for his properties to put them up. He's charging them to rent golf carts to so they can cover him, protect him, as he he rides around in his golf cart playing um, golf. Uh, the last time I checked, and it was maybe a year ago. Uh, we, the taxpayer, had given the, uh, Donald Trump uh, more than a million dollars in Secret Service coverage yeah. protection just to play golf, to go to his private courses and play golf. And that's just one example. I mean, if you look at his hotel uh, where everybody who wants favor of him uh, goes to stay in D.C., I mean, it's. I mean, it's just so many things. He his golf course in Scotland. It was it was going under because it was a bad business decision, and so what he does is he arranges for um, the U.S. 
Air Force to refuel at a station that's near his golf course. Uh, but it's, it's like way out of the way for, for the normal place where they should be refueling the jets. And he, I mean, it's just one thing after another. I mean, the list is long and more and more will be coming out uh, after, um, say, January 21. Well, I I think you're probably right when I when you, when you lay it out that other, way. In, in terms other, of her, then just one other little minor thing. Yeah, right? uh, a quarter of a million people are dead from the COVID yeah. virus that he where, that he he mismanaged from here to there and back again. Yeah. Well, I, I could come right back at you with uh, the bombing, uh, getting uh, Nixon getting soused, uh, and then ordering bombings uh, in throughout uh, North Vietnam. Uh, so a lot of people were killed in those bombings. But we'll we'll leave that go. One thing um, I think that uh, Donald Trump has done that I don't think Nixon even did was uh, to uh, set up an ongoing scam where he would be asking people to contribute to his election defense fund, uh, even though virtually everybody in America has said there is nothing to defend. There was no hoax. You lost this election. It was a legitimate election, maybe cleaner than most elections. Even have Republican uh, officials in states like Georgia and states like Arizona saying there's no fraud, there's no hoax, let's move on. And Trump is still shaking down dumb Republicans, MAGA, for contributions. Monroe, I just think it was in today's paper, $170 million. That's a Astounding! He's raised from MAGA uh, since November. I don't even think Richard Nixon uh, could dream of something like that. No, he couldn't. And the thing is, with that hundred and seventy million or so, because he's still he's still he's still raising money. In fact, I got a um, I got a, a, an email from Trump Pence yesterday, saying <laughs> because they they've been they've been doing a countdown to um, November 30th and saying that if that was their that was their deadline when they had to have this money to help him um, fight fight uh, for all the stuff he's supposed to be fighting for um, he's very vague as to what they named but anyway November 3rd, 30th came and went and then I got an email from him saying well we've We've reignited your account because yeah. <laughs> we're giving you another chance to give us some money. <laughs> and then they had a countdown. But today I got one from a six something this morning, I think, saying, um, well, somehow we missed your, your, your uh, contribution, but we're giving you, um, you have one hour to do it. And then it had a clock on there with a countdown that was starting at 59 minutes and 29 seconds. <laughs> and I blew that hour too. <laughs> what I did, I started to send him an email. I said, my buddy Ben Jaroski, <laughs> you don't need mine too. By the way, I get the same things. They're hilarious. That's it. You blew it. No more chances for you. And then an hour later, all right, we reconsidered. Okay. 
I had a boss. I don't know if I ever told you this story. Years and years ago, long, long time ago, even before I met you, I was working for a uh, very <laughs> lowly publication, some kind of legal publication. And my boss, the guy who owned it, his theory on subscription notices uh, was you just keep sending them. And his theory was that most, I can't believe this guy. Most people, they don't pay attention. So like, let's say you're a lawyer and you're, you're subscribing to this publication and you have your secretary to write the check or whatever, you know, take it out of petty cash. They get another notice here, could, do it again. And so he was like trying to make uh, a living and pay the bills by getting people to subscribe two or three times uh, in the same year before their subscription had officially lapsed. So Donald, Donald Trump is cut from the same cloth as his. Right, right. No, um, once a grifter, always a grifter. They have, they, they apparently have some secret rule book that we don't know about. But uh, Monroe, let's go back to the pardon thing. I don't want to leave it yet because the point I was going to make is that uh, in the case of Nixon, at least he was pardoned by somebody else. Yeah. Gerald Ford pardoned him. What Donald right. Trump is talking about doing is pardoning his, he would pardon his family and himself. Right. Uh, and I know they're having these conversations. Uh, they're, they're doing their trial balloons by letting the stories float and see how, what the reaction is. Your sense of how this would play with the public. Uh, I know we, uh, you know, MAGA, we have a very divided public, MAGA, yeah. and normal people. Um, right. So how do you think this would play with the public? I think that with um, the Trump nuts, it's going to be perfectly okay since Biden stole the election anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But with everybody else, it's going to look very bad. And in fact, there's probably um, a slim to none chance of of, um, Trump being able to successfully pardon himself but he doesn't have anything to lose so he's gonna do it because if he pardons himself and then the supreme court says no you can't pardon yourself you can pardon other people but not yourself then he'll still be where he is right now Mm, yeah i uh uh, (laughs) yeah and and then I'll have something else to incite people. Like then he'll start saying that he's betrayed by the Supreme Court, and they'll be pouring money in, you know, uh, to his. Uh, yeah, well, you know, this money, all this money that he's raising, because they're not they're not spending a lot of money on his defense or to actually try to. I mean, they wasted three million dollars, I guess, in, in uh, what was that, Wisconsin or Michigan? I'm forgetting, but where Wisconsin. they. Yeah, where they yeah Wisconsin in the in in Milwaukee and places like that where they got a recount and when the recounting was done they paid for it, three million dollars. Yeah. As it turned out, um, Biden got eighty seven more votes than he originally had. So it did they, you know that was that was three million dollars of of Trump suckers money well wasted. Yeah. Trump suckers money, absolutely, and they just throwing it at him. By the way, so when you say Trump nuts, yes, uh, that they they'll be cheering him on, and they will not be offended uh, by him pardoning himself. Right. <laughs> uh, when you think about it, I realize that forty eight percent of the voting population voted for Donald Trump. He got over seventy million votes. That's a lot of people. But how many of that seventy million? 
in your mind, fall into the category of Trump nuts who would follow Trump anywhere, absolutely anywhere, including pardoning himself? How much? What portion of that seventy million or so? Right now, there have been polls, and it's 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 someplace in the nineties. Wow. Right now, but damn. Yeah, but he's he's. He's 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 he. They still believe that he has a chance of winning. I mean, they believe all the lies he says. You know, um, so so they still think that he has a lie, uh, a chance of winning. Ninety percent. Yes. Yes. Well, I I read an article about this that took the deep dive. I mentioned this to you briefly, but I'll go a little further. That when you take a deeper look at the poll, it's not clear if that in their heart of hearts, they actually believe that the election was stolen or if they're repeating a talking point. And this one article mentioned another poll that said that over 50% of Republicans, I I had a laugh at it, could answer this question correctly. Who got the most votes? Just like whether you thought it was cheating or not, who literally got the most votes? And so over 50% of Republicans correctly answered that Joe Biden got the most votes. I took a little, you know, I said, well, that was a relief that they could answer that question accurately. Because, you know, Monroe, if you keep repeating a lie long enough, people will start saying something like, well, you know, Donald Trump actually got more votes than right. Joe Biden. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, that made me wonder, like, how solid is that 90%? Oh, like, it's not. F- it's not. You know, there is a, I put, I put the solid at about 40%. Uh, they will. I mean, if 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 Trump um, machine gunned a theater full of um, moviegoers, they would still like him. They they just uh, hit with him. But for the rest of the folks, I mean, they have this whole image of him as being this successful businessman and uh, somebody who 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 rattles the libs and on and on. But once it's it's the, the swearing in has happened. And um, it's obvious that Trump is a loser and has no power or influence. A lot of those people are going to drift away. Well, before we get to that swearing in, we have uh, the two senatorial elections in Georgia. And yes. I'm wondering what your thoughts on uh, all this machinations by Donald Trump claiming the election was stolen are going to play out in that election or those well, elections, I should say. Yeah. If, if you'll recall last week, I said, I thought the two Democrats were going to going to win. Mm-hmm. And I'm even more convinced now, especially, you know, I, Trump says he's going there on Saturday mm-hmm. to campaign for the two Republican senators. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, it's going to be wonderful because he is, he is still pissed off and fuming uh, because he lost, you know, he was a sore winner. He's uh, he's a worse loser. (laughs) And so he's going to go there and it's rather than campaign and talk about how wonderful these two Republican senators are, he's going to go there and knock um, the the, um, governor of Georgia, 
because he didn't steal the election for, for from him. He's going to um, knock um, the um, S- Secretary of State of Georgia because he didn't steal the election for him. He's gonna, he's he's been bad mouthing them on the tweets and on some Fox networks already interviews network interviews already. So he's going to get down there with his MAGA crowd. <laughs> and he's, he's got a bad mouth them. He's attacked one of the candidates, uh, uh, one of the senators, a woman. Oh, Kelly Leffler. Yeah, yeah. He's attacked her already. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to, he has, he has no self-discipline whatsoever. <laughs> and when he gets that audience, he's going to go into automatic drive of just venting and ranting and raving and he's hurting i mean right now he's hurting those candidates because they're trying to get out the vote they need to it's thanks to stacy abrams the democrats have an incredible ground crew at work mm-hmm. it's going to turn out the vote so what um um purdue and and um leffler leffler have to do is get a turnout comparable to that if they're going to win. But um, Trump is saying that the, that the election was rigged in Georgia. And so if, if, if the election is rigged, then why bother to go vote whatsoever? Cause your vote's not going to count. Yeah. I, and I have to wonder if somewhere in the back of his mind, Donald Trump uh, wants uh, Leffler and Purdue to lose uh, wants the Democrats. Oh yeah, I'm to sure he does. He does. Why do you say that? Um, because first of all, he's pissed off because they let him down. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have voted the the, the Georgians and the and and um, the Republican um, politicians. This is from his frame of reference. They let him down, so he want, he, he's a vengeful sort of guy. So he wants to punish them. So they're really going to miss him if the Dems are in charge and doing all the horrible stuff like um, running the, the uh, COVID campaign uh, <laughs> better to make sure that we don't all die from COVID and distributing the vaccine correctly. And... Um, all the other um, hor- correcting all the other horrible things he did, you know that'll show them they should have they should have backed him. Mm-hmm. They should have stole the election from, him. you know. For um, he's already asked. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he's he's already asked that um, the re-election, the January five um, election, mm-hmm. uh, be canceled that the governor of Georgia canceled the election. I missed that. Donald Trump. How did I miss that? <laughs> I usually obsessively follow Donald. He asked that he, Donald Trump actually asked Kemp uh, to, to call off the, the senatorial elections. Yeah. Are you sure about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, he said it should be. I, don't, I, I think it was a tweet. 
But yeah, he wants it called off. Well, I know that he asked Kemp to use his executive order uh, to stop the recount or to uh, reverse the election, the presidential election. Like the guy has doesn't even have that executive order. That was one of the most preposterous things. Um, yeah, man, he's just, you know, he's he has gone stock raving mad. In fact, his people are worried about him. They're they're referring to him as Mad King George, <laughs> <laughs> and they said. He's running around talking to himself, saying, I won, I won, I won. And everybody else is shaking their head. Well, <laughs> Some people rolling their eyes because they don't want his ire. <laughs> well, he's not so insane and crazy that he, he's incapable of us scamming people from their money. It's amazing uh, his ability to scam people continues. Uh, the great grifter no uh, no gets ands and buts about it yeah no I'm, I'm with you uh on that one he's the greatest grifter i've ever seen this guy is the greatest shakedown artist and i was thinking about this i was talking to dennis about this before the show i've now um lived uh, uh through presidencies of two of some of the two of the greatest con men and i'm thinking of bill clinton and um donald trump bill clinton that ah shucks elvis uh, imitation thing, you know, that he used uh, to cover up all kinds of sleaziness and uh, just kind of diffuse people and win them over and that sincerity, you know, I'm Bill Clinton. And uh, I voted for him twice, Monroe. I'm a little ashamed to admit in the aftermath. Uh, supported him when he was uh, impeached. I should have said, no, bring on Al Gore. We're better off with Al Gore. Uh, and the regrets I have. So he was a con man, but I think Donald Trump just well beyond Bill Clinton. Just, I mean, cause his ability just to continually shake people down. Uh, and he's done this his entire yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Now, for example, he is threatening. He, he has it out there. He's dropped the trial balloon and floated mm-hmm. that, uh, he's going to run again in 2024. Right. And one of the things that he is considering, it is reported, that he's going to hold his um, 2024 uh, campaign announcement on the day Joe Biden is being sworn in as vice president. He's not going to be at the inauguration or the swearing in. He's going to be elsewhere having a rally. Wow. For his second, uh, for his his next run in 2024, and it's going to be if he in fact does that, it's going to be very interesting because all, all these lapdog Republicans mm-hmm. are going to have to choose between going to Biden's inauguration as they should and traditionally do, or going to Trump's rally. And which, what do you think they're going to do? I think. Um, a lot of them are going to go to the inauguration, but there will be some. For example, like uh, Roy Roy Johnson, Senator Roy Johnson, mm-hmm. who um, God, I can't remember somebody on MSNBC today said. Oh, I think of a Scarborough, Joe Scarborough, said he was the dumbest senator <laughs> <laughs> of all time because what he's called for is 
for Bill Barr to prove that he doesn't have any evidence <laughs> that the elections were rigged. <laughs> I, I um... you know, sometimes I, some people refer to that as as um, proving a negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I got a as I'm Ron Johnson is who you met. Ron, I am. Um, uh, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about this. So if I'm Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, and right. a man with clear political uh, presidential ambitions, right. and I get tons of emails from him, and you probably do too, uh, denouncing lefties. Oh God, they just sent this one out. Tim Scott, what well, was Tim Scott, uh, our favorite senator? Tim, 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 Tim Scott, no, I got a brother bullshitter <laughs> detector. So he said, I'm not even going to waste my time on Monroe. I'll be happy to send him an email say, hey, Tim, Monroe Anderson really wants to. Tim, uh, Tim Scott's uh, full of it, too. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has presidential ambitions. But um, Tom Cotton clearly has uh, presidential ambitions. So if you're Tom Cotton, you have to ask yourself, what is it best interests? Do you go to the Biden uh, inauguration in which he then MAGA would say you're a traitor? Right. Uh, or do you go to Donald and Trump's and Trump with nasty tweet you? Do nasty tweet you and they live in fear right. of a nasty tweet from Trump. Right. Or do you right. go to Donald Trump's rally, but which would sort of uh, putting it mildly undercut your uh, presidential ambitions because then it would seem like you're endorsing Donald Trump or do you just what pretend the, both things, neither things, both things are not happening. You know what I mean? And just stay at home and say you're working. I mean, what do you do? Uh, right. If you're Tom Cotton. Uh, I, I, I think you put your finger in your mouth. <laughs> And then you stick it up and try to figure out which way the wind is going. <laughs> and you go from there. Yeah. Although, I, you know, this is the problem with Trump even threatening to run in 2024 is it freezes all these young, younger Republicans who want to run for president yes. doing it because his support is so solid right now that um, you don't want to upset his supporters and you don't want to upset him. Oh, yeah. So no, it's sort of your thumbs. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz, just all of them. They're, they're fro Nikki Haley, every Republican that's ever expressed any presidential ambitions. By the way, all right, go back to your favorite senator, Tim Scott, yeah. uh, who's one of the most disingenuous people I've ever met. Uh, Tim Scott is Republican senator from uh, South Carolina. Somehow or other, I've gotten on his mailing list. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I find him particularly irritating uh, because he's always playing the race card. He's a black man, and he's always pointing out how uh, liberals uh, call him a uh, you know a traitor to his race. Uh, he always plays that race card while while being an active member of Republican Party that does everything it can to exploit well, white fear. Yeah, that too. Years ago, Ben, when I was rehabbing, I, I gutted this house that I lived in. Mm -hmm. And I, I had all new construction, 
and there was a a, a back of the house hadn't been done yet. Um, and so to get up to from the back to do construction, we, we had one of these extension ladders, one of these long extension ladders. I heard a rattling because I'd moved just about moved back in. I heard a rattling and I went to the back of the house and I looked and this guy had stolen the ladder <laughs> and was running with it to put it on the back of a truck. And I yelled at him, you, hey, you, bring back my ladder. And he yelled back at me, what ladder? <laughs> <laughs> and he it in his hand, and, and, he's, and he's struggling because it's a long, heavy ladder. <laughs> and he's struggling and running with it. So that's, that's, that's Tim Scott in the race car business. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. What ladder? Yeah, that's Tim Scott. What? What traitor? Huh? I don't see any traitor. Can you believe those liberals? They're calling me a traitor. Anyway, so he sent me an email. And I'm paraphrasing from memory. It says, I'm going to utter three of the scariest words I can. I'm like, what possible words? I don't know. Maybe Ku Klux Klan? That could have been three scary words. But no, it wasn't Ku Klux Klan. It was Secretary Bernie Sanders. And he went on to say um, that the Dem Biden is considering nominating uh, Bernie Sanders to be Secretary of Labor, which, by the way, please, Joe Biden, don't do that because no, he's not going to. He's not going. None of the senators, right? Okay, are going to be not in Biden's cabinet right now because he need every needs Absolutely. every. That's exactly right. Besides, I think Bernie Sanders is more effective. Uh, exactly. It, exactly. it has an independent man in the Senate where he can be free of any obligations to an administration or, or a president. Anyway, uh, but the point is, then he goes immediately tries to <laughs> shake me down for money. <laughs> Another shakedown. Like I'm so I'm supposed to be so scared of Bernie Sanders that I'm going to immediately throw money to Tim Scott. Right. Uh, one of my um, right wing trolls. Jack Bastide, he's he's one of his things. He's tweeted on my page. I mean, I tweeted, I posted on my page, responded, commented, was um, in 2024, uh, President Kamala Harris is going to be beaten by Trump. And of course, you know they have this whole thing, the right wing, that Biden isn't going to really be the president. It's going to be somebody else in charge, one of the socialists like a Kamala Harris or a, a um, Nancy Pelosi or somebody, anybody, that Trump's, uh, that Joe is in fact sleepy. And so he's not going to be actual president. He's just going to be a figurehead, you know, like Reagan was in those latter yeah, years. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Reagan uh, got through his second Election. He got through the re-election. Right. Uh, he stumbled a little bit, but all he had to do was get that wisecrack off in the debate uh, with Mondale about, you know, not holding it against Mondale that Mondale was so young, and everybody right. laughed and re-elected him, even though he right. was clearly heading down the path or right. toward uh, Alzheimer's. Right. Uh, but it's like it was so bizarre seeing Bernie used that way because I've always subscribed to the notion uh, that. The far left and the far right at some points come together 
in certain ways, you know, and they see the world the same way that, and so many of my lefty friends believed that Bernie Sanders could have defeated Donald Trump in 20. In fact, you, I think, believe Bernie Sanders could have defeated Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, and I um, no, I did not. You did not believe that. Okay. All right. Uh, my, my theory, and it's, 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 it, it, it's um, been proven a time and time again, is that had Bernie been the candidate, mm-hmm. the Republicans would have blown up his socialist thing. He 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 would have been stalling by the time yeah, yeah, yeah. he finished running it uh, with him because yeah no I, he he has great ideas which has transformed the party incidentally in the, in, since twenty sixteen but um, he's he's too he, he's too easy a target for those guys they're try they're trying they can't they can't pull it off but they're trying to make Joe yeah. Uh, So they can't do it. So what they do is they assign other people to him that will actually be in control, not him. Well, we we had this conversation last night. We were doing the uh, first Tuesday show uh, at the height of the the virtual first Tuesday. Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, an older woman from the 33rd Ward, who is actually an avowed socialist. And uh, Peter Cunningham was a centrist, a former speechwriter for Mayor Daley. Uh, they both agreed that no matter who runs, will be called a socialist, even right. if they're not remotely a socialist. Right. Uh, and so, what's the point? Just you should you should um, champion the issues and that you believe in. Uh, so this leads me to the question that I'll have I have for you that we discussed last night. Do okay. you think the Democrats? can stay united long enough to pass, to agree. Everybody's going to have to give up a little something. You're not going to get everything you want to agree on democratic, basic democratic programs in terms of health care, in terms of the environment, in terms of taxation, et cetera. Can they agree long enough to get the votes they need to pass them and Joe Biden said, do you think the Democrats can have that if much? They, if, if they win on January 5, as I'm predicting they will, then yes, they, they will stay. And, and if Trump is, is, is still a factor because mm-hmm. Trump is the greatest uniter of Democrats of anybody or anything. Yeah. Uh, once Trump is out of the picture, then we'll go back to the old, old um, Will, Will, uh, the comedian guy. Will Rogers. Will Rogers. They, I'm a guy, I, I don't belong to an organized party. I'm a Democrat. Yes. We'll go back there at that point. All right. Uh, and uh, all right, we're going to close with this question for you, a local question. And we're going to watch you duck and dodge as I ask this question, or maybe you're not going to duck and dodge at all. We, this is a constant on our show. Generally, when you come on, we talk national politics, uh, or if we do talk local, we talk city of Chicago. Now, let's do a statewide uh, issue. Should Michael Joseph Madigan, in the opinion of Monroe Anderson, should Michael Joseph Madigan uh, step down, as Speaker of the House and uh, Chairman of the Illinois Democrats for the good of his party, or should he fight on? Monroe Anderson, go. He's been there long enough. 
see you, Mike. Wouldn't want to be you. Uh, so if he doesn't step down, should the Democrats vote him out? Yes. I, you know, he's, he, he's the longest running person and he's, he's power corrupts. Absolute, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's where he is. And so now it's time for him to go. Yeah. Do you think it's hurting the party as much as I do? You're a little more optimistic on this front. I think. That he's he's that, that he's, Michael Madigan is hurting the Democrats in the state of Illinois. Yes, uh, um, a little, but not a lot, because Illinois is now a blue state. Yeah, I fear it could go red. You and I are both old enough to remember when it was. I used to, I remember what it used to be red, but yeah. no, 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 not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. It's, it's, it's solidly. I mean, it's it's so blue that Republicans don't even um, campaign here anymore. Uh, all right. And, you know, I can remember when California was red. Yeah, Ronald Reagan was the governor of California. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, you stick around long enough, everything changes, and then it changes again. But I'll tell you one thing that won't change. Yes. Well, that will be blue forever, and that is the household of Monroe Anderson. Yes. That house is not going red. I don't even have we don't even have red blood in this house. We're blue blooded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Monroe, stay safe and sound. Love talking to you every Wednesday. Uh, Monroe Anderson on the Ben Drosky Show. Thank you so much, Monroe. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. There's the great Monroe Anderson. Dr. D, what uh, what updates you got for me, young man? All right. We got some updates here. Let's do the back half. Two stories to talk about before we roll out. First, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Positive COVID-19 test results are not going anywhere, especially in Chicago. We just had to spend Thanksgiving alone staring at our computers like a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> but hey. Thank goodness we have an update on literally the last thing on everyone's mind. When will Chicago get a casino? (laughs) I did not see this coming. Go ahead, D. Hey, who's ready to crowd around a bunch of strangers and go gambling, huh? I know I'm not. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Mitchell Armentrout. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's office asked casino developers this summer to show at least some of their cards on how and where they'd want to break down or want to break ground on a Chicago casino. Well, a rundown of responses released by the city Wednesday suggests most developers and other gaming stakeholders agree on at least one thing. The casino should go downtown. Duh. (laughs) Go ahead. 11 groups submitted responses to the non-binding request for information that Lightfoot's office put out in August, which asked for their input on everything from how big the venue should be to how gaming plans might coexist with other city attractions. Eight of those groups, quote, believe the casino should be located downtown or near downtown. And that's according to the mayor's office. Two groups did not answer the location question. And one group said it should go in the Harborside golf center site on the southeast side. Harborside was among five potential casino sites Lightfoot floated last summer on the south and west sides, though the mayor has kept a poker face. 
and a little pun there on gambling on where she go ahead uh, yeah, yeah on where she'd like to see the big city gaming house end up she has kept the door open to a downtown location that convention and tourism industry leaders oppose but which a state hired gaming consultant insists is the best bet to maximize tax revenue earmarked for the city's depleted police and firefighter pension funds yeah it's um God, it's it's so bizarre to even have this conversation in the middle of the pandemic, as you were pointed out, uh, D, at the start of uh, that news brief, because uh, when I go through the areas that used to be the thriving downtown, it's like a ghost town. So much of Chicago is a ghost town right now in the pandemic. Uh, and uh, but uh, so it's hard to even remember the time when, you know, the city existed, the city that could uh, support a, a casino uh, even existed. And of course, it's hard to think, as you said, of people throt, uh, you know, uh, packing a, um, a casino and uh, endangering their lives uh, with COVID. But the reality is this, uh, Chicago is dependent on that casino, as you said at the very end, uh, to raise the money to pay its uh, police uh, pensions. And uh, so they're they're like waiting for that money uh, to come. And if they don't get the money there, then they have to get the money from the property taxes, or maybe they'll get it from Reefer. Who knows where they're gonna get the money? Which, by the way, wouldn't that be just so ironic that money for police pensions would come from the sale of marijuana and for so long police were used in the war uh, on drugs to lock people up for the pettiest of reefer violations Man, this world is insane uh, so yeah I have always thought it, sh- it was going to go downtown I couldn't imagine it really going anywhere else the downtown area uh, made the most sense from just just like uh, the ability you know all public transportation goes downtown so if you want to take public transportation there uh, you can and all the highways converge downtown so you can drive there easily and so it just made all the sense in the world and I never understood you said the uh, it's been so long since the story's been uh, we've been talking about it day I don't remember the um, uh, you said the tourists industries against a casino did i hear you say that correctly in in armatron wrote that in the story i i don't recall them that part about the opposition but i i don't know why they would be opposed to it i mean just if you have conventioners coming to chicago um be perfect send them right over to the casino they're getting drunk they throw their money away yeah i would rather people from out of town i mean if listen gambling's you're pretty you're in bad shape if your government is depending on the revenue from gambling to pay its obligations i've talked about this before how it's very destructive practice to fall into and you're almost guaranteed to lose the losers will totally outnumber the winners which is why uh, how casinos manage to thrive because the odds are all in their favor and if you're dependent on people throwing away their money uh, in a venture that they prop they they should know better and that they know they're going to lose, um, then you're like depending on the self-destruction of the citizenry to fund the their government. But that's where we are, D. Uh, you know, fair tax lost. They want to tax the wealthiest people. So we'll go to the next uh, idea, in which is uh, suckers and saps who probably can't afford to will throw away their money uh, trying to win a prize and will uh, 
uh, take the proceeds from that and try to pay our bills. Uh, but so that was the plan. That was the great plan that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Governor Pritzker and Michael Joseph Madigan, and I believe Cullerton was the head of the Senate at the time, uh, agreed upon in a different universe that was, a different world of 2019. So floating these notions of a casino in Chicago is like an old story from a distant past that I don't see coming true any time soon. Definitely not uh, in within the next year. Unless that vaccine is a lot faster uh, than they're saying it is. All right. We got one more story here. Man cow for Illinois governor. (laughs) And no, I didn't say butter cow. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. I said man cow. That is correct. (laughs) The former WLS and syndicated radio host, Eric Man Cow Muller. She, a compost and Illinois Politico seem to have the scoop on this one. Uh, Man Cow Eric Muller, the former morning radio host, said that he is, quote, exploring the idea of running as a Republican or independent in 2022. Mancow told Playbook in a phone interview, quote, I would not be a first party candidate or a party first candidate for governor, but I would be a people first candidate. Yeah. Oh, I never heard that one before. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> Any more you quoting from Oh, i got day? quite a bit here. Mueller says the idea of running for office grew during the pandemic when a restaurant he owns began struggling. Man Cow said, quote, Man Cow. Uh, it's been <laughs> impossible. Did the man part say this or the cow part? I don't know. Uh, it's been impossible to do business. Illinois has become an unhealthy, inhospitable place. Common sense is dead in our state, and I'd like to bring it back. Man Cow then said he questions Governor J.B. Pritzker's handling of the pandemic, saying, quote, COVID numbers are greatly exaggerated and killing Chicago businesses. Man Cow left WLS last month and has long been interested in politics. Along with talking to politicians, Man Cow has been known to carry their banner too. Last year, he hosted a fundraising dinner to benefit Roger Stone, the friend and former advisor to Donald Trump, uh, who was convicted of seven, count them, seven felonies before the president commuted his sentence this summer. Uh, as governor, Man Cow says he would enforce a flat tax push for school choice, bring back school prayer, and reduce property taxes. He said, quote, I want to cut programs that don't work. He added, saying he didn't have a list of those programs handy. <laughs> All oh, right. No. <laughs> Man Cow wants to see more funding for children in need and for mental health, uh, mental health programs, especially people experiencing homelessness. But he would also bring back vagrancy laws, uh, saying, quote, you wouldn't get to live in someone's doorway or poop there either. Mm. Uh, he said he's sick of unions that radicalize teachers, and he supports, quote, bringing back civility and respect for cops. Mancow adds, I would allow law-abiding gun owners to protect themselves without so much paperwork. Uh, and though he hasn't formed an official exploratory committee, Man, uh, Mancow says he's spoken to Republicans and to independent Politico 
Willie Wilson, who could help finance uh, finance such a campaign. Uh, finally, here it says, Man Cow. Uh, did you read who he wants as a uh, potential lieutenant governor, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, Paul uh, Vallis. Yeah, uh, Paul Vallis. Vallis yeah. told Playbook mm-hmm. that he enjoys talking to Man Cow, but he's not interested in running on his ticket. Man Cow says he's working to change Vallis's mind. So it seems like this may happen. Well, let me say this about that. Um, after Donald Trump, I not minimizing anyone's chances. He's a celebrity. His name is well known. Uh, he's got as good a chance as anyone, D. Uh, and uh, Jesse Ventura can get elected governor of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mancow can get elected here in Illinois. And you watch, he'll suddenly be bashing Michael Maddox. I never met Mancow. I know he's a huge force in radio. I came to radio late in life. And uh, I never listened to Mancow. I just had his such a vague notion. Yeah, I'm older than him. So he's, he's like for... Uh, Millennials and um, uh, Gen Xers. Gen Xers, yeah, they love all oh, God. Yeah, that's it. The Gen Xers. Hate to say it, Ramon and Mick, that's your guy. Oh, he really he speaks to our generation. So I'm not, you know, I can't say I've ever listened to Man Cow, but one time, the I may have told you this. Uh, his producer, folks, you know, you guys hear me. Producer Cow. Yeah, baby cow, calf, calf cow, uh, boy calf called me up on the phone. Uh, hey, could you come on the man cow show and uh, talk about your anti-rom-coms? Because, you know, guys have been bashing uh, Mayor Rom. Man cow, as I recall, had nothing to say about daily. But then, you know, th- there was this element of the right that uh, criticized Rom. They're all afraid of daily, uh, but for some reason they we criticize Rom, and so they, you know, who who's the most critical of Rom in the city was me, and they wanted me to come on. I was like, nah, I just nah, I'm not doing that, man. I got no problem criticizing Chicago Democrats. I've been doing it for years, but Republicans, man, they suck too. So I'm not looking like a pimp for a Republican. You know what I'm saying, D? I just wasn't going to do it. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, so I didn't do it, and I just, that's the end of my connection with mankind. I read this story. I'm like, dude, you sound like a regular old Republican. So this thing about, I'm, I may run as independent. No, you're not. If you're going to run, you're going to run as Republican. Independent can't win. You're running as all your programs are Republican programs. And by the way, I mean, they don't make any sense. I'm just looking at this, D. I called it up. As governor, you, I'm reading, this is the quote you just read. Mankow said he would enforce a flat tax. What does that mean? Enforce a, there is a flat tax. It's not like they're trying to break that rule. It's not like Madigan's like, okay, is no one looking? No one's looking. Let's secretly raise taxes on rich people. And so, no, what? You're going to come in and enforce it. I'm not going to keep Democrats from secretly. It's in the Constitution. But see, that's like the notion is that voters are so stupid. They're going to read this in uh, what is this uh, political and go, oh, whoa, he's going to enforce the fair ta- flat tax. That'll keep Madigan from raising it. It's going to push for school choice, charter schools. Oh, because that anti-union thing he's got going. And here's the one that caught my eye. Bring back school prayer and reduce property taxes. Quote, I want to cut programs that don't work. Wait, since when has school prayer worked? Like, you're going to bring back school prayer and enforce programs that work. When has school prayer worked in anything? 
And by the way, you're a friend of Roger Stone. This guy's one of the biggest liars in the world. So, like, like if what are you praying to? I mean, like, what what's like the, the essence of your prayer? What values are you enforcing with your prayers? Who are you honoring with your prayers? Like, I don't get it. You're a friend of Roger Stone, and yet you want kids to pray. What are they going to pray to? Roger Stone? Donald Trump? You know, like, are you going to start asking kids to follow the Ten Commandments? Well, you know, Donald Trump was having an affair with a stripper like six weeks after his wife gave birth. I, I, I mean, like, why would you even throw school prayer into there? Why you throw, and, and so he's, here he goes, more funding for children in need and mental health programs while he's enforcing a flat tax, whatever that means, and reducing property taxes. How are you going to pay for this? Oh, and you also, you believe in uh, taking care of police officers. Well, uh, presumably you're going to want to pay for their pensions. Where are you going to get the money to pay for their pensions? You're reducing the property taxes, so you can't do that. You're going to enforce a flat tax, so you can't go with the tax. You know, but you're sick of unions that radicalize teachers. What about police unions that radicalize police? I mean, you could be a radical more ways than one. If you think of the middle as the like the center, that's like Biden, Mitt Romney, you know, that's the center. So if you're saying the Chicago Teachers Union, I guess that's the union you're referring to, is radicalizing teachers on the left. What about the fraternal order of police, which is radicalizing police on the right? Are you against them too? It's a, I mean, this thing, like a lot of questions here for man cow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like, will you be going by man cow? <laughs> but I do not dismiss him. D is, I think he's got a good chance of anybody. He's a, he's, you know, he's a celebrity and Gen X loves him. I'm going to ask Ramana. She's coming on Friday. And I keep Ramana. Benny, he has a lot of good. <laughs> no, I know Ramana's not going to say like, that. Oh, my God, I have a man cow bumper sticker right yeah. here. Look at that. <laughs> no, Gen X, that's, it's our guy, Ben. He speaks to us, okay? He yeah. really does. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I By the way, and how did she and Capos get the scoop? What about the bright one? You right. I have a feeling. Favorite. I have a feeling that someone like, you know, like a more right leaning, you know, publication got the scoop. Right. The more I thought about that, like, is man cow like, ah, I got to give this one to Illinois Politico. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you one group that didn't get the scoop. The Bender. Oh, so. hell no. We never get the scoop. <laughs> man cow. Yeah. And after so that, <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I'm just like the whole thing when I saw the prayer in school. I'm going to get rid of programs that don't work, but I'm bring back prayer in school. When has prayer in school worked? Like, what? And I'm trying to think of when prayer, and how does it work? We'll bring back prayer in school. At the same time, we'll make it easier for people to have God. Hang tight, everybody. Looks like he's going to win office. People go out and buy like more weaponry. Have you ever noticed that the articles in the paper, arms sales soaring since Joe Biden went ahead in the polls? I'm like, what possible impediment are there to buying guns? I, I don't see the paperwork stopping anybody from buying a gun. There's guys arrested someone for something or other, and they found a 
Oh, pandemic times. Good times. Yeah, good time. By the way, what's his position on Reefer? Didn't say. Uh, already ducking and dodging. The campaign hasn't even started. Oh, that's legal in Illinois, so he gets to avoid that. All so right. I don't know, D. I'm not really feeling... You know, the man cow. How about you? You feeling the man cow? Uh, I'd rather vote for the butter cow. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Oh, and J.B. Pritzker has uh, weighed in on this news of uh, man cow potentially running for governor. uh, Pritzker, what do you have to say? The enemy is you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talking trash early. Whoa. <laughs> what about Lori Lightfoot? Does she have anything to say about man cow? Uh, no, I don't. I, uh, no, I don't. Oh, no, She's okay. not here. Yeah, no, no. What about Rob? Does he have anything to say about him? How many? No. Love it when you push those little buttons. Yeah, I only have like eight of them to choose from at a time. So, you know, need, don't have those on hand. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, that's the uh, Man Cow developments. Keep it right here. We'll uh, keep you posted as uh, more news on Man Cow. Oh, Ram is weighed in. Here we go. Thank you, Chicago, oh, for okay. this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> Didn't we conclude that the guy yelling yeah was the same one who was yelling yeah for Jeannie Ives? Yeah, right? yeah. Did we make reset? Uh-huh. Oh, hell yeah! Yeah, and uh, he's not my favorite guy in the background. That remains uh, the guy uh, at the Rod Blagojevich press conference who yells, yeah, trouble crap. Yeah, yeah. You are putting me to work today. Hold on a second. Uh, yeah. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. <laughs> that's my favorite guy right there. Trumpocrat, that's right. All right, everybody, make uh, sure to follow us on at uh, Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Put your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read it on the program. That typically helps. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708 658 Four seven eight eight. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail, and if it's not insane or you're not cursing like a madman, there's a good chance we're gonna play that thing. Also, uh, make sure to download previous Ben Jarofsky. There's the brown line. Uh, download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at our new home, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. And you can always live stream the show on the Chicago Reader YouTube channel. All right. Well done, Dennis. I want to thank Monroe Anderson. Outstanding job as he does every Wednesday. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as man, cow, and Monroe will tell you, back home and home, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. That is correct. That is correct. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Chicago. It's the butter cow. It's the butter cow. That is correct. I'm a trumpet crack. I'm a Trumpocrat.
I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat.